0: The big three that lie in the shadow for most men are sex, money, and power. Mm-hmm. How do we meet these things that lie within the shadow?
1: Hello, everybody, this is the Venus and Mars podcast and I'm your host, Anya Shack. I'm a culture and trend strategist, researcher of all things hunter-gatherer, and I'm devoted to healing the divide between men and women. So if you like what you hear and you're on Team Unite Venus and Mars, then join me in growing the movement by hitting subscribe. Now let's get straight into the episode. Today I'm joined by a very interesting gentleman all in the name of the harmony between Venus and Mars. He's somebody that when I think of what a fighter is, I actually think of something that's not talked about too much. And I think of this idea of a man who is a warrior and also a lover all in one. So we think about fighters, we think about martial arts and combat sports. And we just, we really take it to this idea of this person, this being is always fighting, always battling. And that's the only side that they have to them. It's a very one dimensional perspective. And in films that I see in media, like You think about the heroes of our world. I think about William Wallace. I think about Rob Roy. And I'm like, what do these guys have in common? And recently I've been watching Vikings Valhalla um, and Leif Erikson. And I'm like, what do these guys have in common that's so captivating? And I realize it's, they fight and they also love. They love really big. And so I'm really excited to have a man who is not only a fighter, He's also an anthropologist. He's got such richness of wisdom and information, and I'm really happy to have him here to kind of go back and forth around loneliness and connection and all of the things that we as humans in our modern 2023 world are really struggling with. And we can create some provocations and hopefully, um, you know, come up with some ideas and just have this be a really cool conversation about um, what it means to be Uh, a fighter and a lover, all in one. So without further ado, Robert Wunderlich.
0: Well, thank you, Anya, again, for having me on. I'm uh, very excited to be here with you and um, I'm also looking forward to this conversation. I think it's gonna be a a wonderful one.
1: I love it. Thank you so much for being here. So just to kind of kick things off, Robert, he actually began training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in 2004 under Professor David Ruiz. So he competed in local and international tournaments. He traveled the country as a referee for F2W Pro. He currently operates the Shokunin Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Association and the Academy of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Arvada in Arvada, Colorado. So he's followed so many different pursuits in life. He also holds a master's degree in anthropology from the University of Wyoming. This man has a third degree, is a third degree black belt in Jiu-Jitsu, and he's also a men's coach. So he began working in men's work in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic, and now he's a certified certified, uncivilized men's coach uh, since September of 2021. So what I love about Robert, and I'm excited for you to speak to this, you have this really big vision, this really big purpose. You're building a method to combat isolation and loneliness by fostering a deep connection with oneself and others. Can you jump into that? What does that mean?
0: Um, everything in my mind. I think that we, you know, uh, I always use this as an example. We're on a, we're on a call, we're on zoom, um, you know, doing a podcast and you happen to be in Dallas and I'm in Denver. And while we can be connected and we can see each other and, um, you know, we, we can have some semblance of connection. I think that we're also living at one of the greatest, one of the times where we have the most disconnection. Um, so I think that we need to combat some loneliness. You know, I uh, just recently put up a post about um, the t- statistics that just kind of reflect the loneliness that we have. I mean, 52% of Americans feel lonely. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so, And that's just, that's just one of many statistics that um, that people who are married and have children actually feel more lonely than people who are single. Yeah.
2: Mm. Wow.
0: Um, it's And it's also an epidemic in younger people. Gen Zers are the loneliest. 80% of Gen Zers feel lonely. Wow.
1: 80. 80. 80. Wow. Yeah. I've heard, I just consistently hear the statistics around um, rising anxiety levels and teens and preteens. Like, Oh, this is a big one. It's it's a big one. It's a big one. I've even found myself like a couple years back, um, saying to myself, "I think I feel lonely," you know. And yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Means- now I think there has to be some context, you know, to put around some of these things. Like, how are we defining loneliness, and what does that actually mean? And what does it mean to feel left out? And you know, like I think you know, FOMO's been popular for a long time—fear of missing out. But um, I think we also just need to understand what we used to be. And maybe that's what we're trying to connect into, right? Is just understanding that as, as human beings, we have been tribal since, you know, we evolved to be human um, and what that means in the modern context and what that means evolutionarily to be modern Homo, modern homo sapiens as we are today. But our ancestors had community and they had tribal tribe and they had all of those interactions also. I mean, there's so many great examples of um, the value of connection, the value of being able to rely on and rely on others and that's where that trust is formed and to have true reliance on others. Right. Um, I mean, we had to rely on each other for survival in the past. Mm. There's, I just read an article um, and I was just talking to my friend Traber about it this afternoon that um, they're showing uh, an medically done amputee right from 31,000 years ago. That they actually amputated the lower portion of a um, young woman's leg thirty-one thousand years ago so that shows a high knowledge in medical procedures obviously because that's basically surgery that you're performing on someone but also that that person was able to survive after that yeah that there's many 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 representations both in anatomically modern humans and in neanderthal that mm-hmm. They had major injuries that they were able to heal, but the, you know whereas in the rest of the animal kingdom, a lot of times those are the ones that get picked out of the herd and and consumed, right? <laughs> Ooh,
2: wow. For a
0: lack of a better word. Um, but yeah. humans have this innate ability to be able to care for one another, also. Yep. To be able to bring resources to others as they can, as they heal, and then as are as they're able to come back into the fold of society and possibly a different role at that point. Um, wow. so I think it's important to touch on, on that alone, to just remember where we come from and all of the things and all of the people that came before us, you know? So if you think about every generation that came before you, so we have two parents, we have four grandparents, we have eight great grandparents
1: yeah you're right 16
0: right. right and then you just do that math and you do that math back you know numerous generations yeah and sooner than later you realize how many people you actually came from
1: yeah that's really amazing thank you for bringing it there because I do believe that's where we need to start and I think one there's like two things that resound for me I'm like very curious to hear your thoughts on these things the first thing is that You know, if you look up what culture means in the dictionary, if you just do some research on like who, you know, what philosopher or professor writes about culture, it's this idea of society and how society functions being a reflection of our evolution. And as we can all imagine, the last hundred years, we have been operating at a place societally far beyond our evolutionary capabilities. We're not meant to see 40,000 people's faces on social media in one day. We're not meant to, like, we can't hold all that. So obviously there's going to be some collapse. There, There is a collapse. There's like a, a true crisis um, because our culture has like tried to evolve so far beyond what us as humans um, are meant to experience. And so when you talk about loneliness, it's like, yeah, when I was saying that I felt lonely, it was It was because I felt like all my relationships were like convenience-based or shallow or, and I've even had friends like from Eastern European countries and like places like Greece, they they come to the States and they're like, you guys are all like convenience-based. You stop talking to each other. if It's like no longer convenient for you. And those are the two things that kind of resonate around like why we're in such a crisis right now of loneliness.
0: I would I would agree with um, some of those things absolutely. I think that we do have a culture of convenience. I mean, just innate. It, it's in every sphere, and it's yeah. it's penetrated every sphere. Like we get upset when something that we order online doesn't show up within two days. You know, like that's how much of it. You know, whereas before you ordered something and it took weeks or months to get there, and you were totally okay with it, and we allowed. We allow, like, we used to allow boredom to be something that's a part of our lives. Yeah. Um, but uh, to kind of to give you a definition that I personally follow as far as culture goes, um, Clifford Geertz uh, is a American anthropologist, and he um, defines culture as the webs of significance that we ourselves spin.
1: Oof. Say that again.
0: So culture is the webs of significance that we ourselves spin.
1: Yeah, I see that. Totally see that.
0: So in in some ways we we still are maintaining culture through devices and through some of these other things, even though we may be beyond what our human capability is in some ways mentally. Now, as cognizant beings, though we we have the ability to kind of separate ourselves from that we don't necessarily have to buy into it either we can choose to have downtime be grounded and be separated from our phones and choose to have some boredom in our lives like it's something that i've been noticing more and more in myself that like want to just have boredom
1: absolutely you know we we can choose that i'm so with you on that we can choose that and i feel like those of us that have Sometimes the privilege or the luxury of doing some deep work and being able to uncover our subconscious we we can. But I think culture also is meant to represent like the masses of people that maybe don't have that luxury, like the blue collar experience and like the 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 general pop, right? And so like how they choose to live. and I'd I argue that like a lot of people are just surviving. So like we we have that culture of like, go, go, go. And it's almost like, how do we change? Like, how do we make our culture what we want it to be? Not only for the privileged of us, but, but for gen pop.
0: I, I definitely, I agree with um, a portion of that too. And I think, I guess I was looking at more of the frame of like, we we can choose not to be just solely focused on this all the yeah. time.
1: And he's pointing right? to
0: the phone can- everybody. Right. That we can, sorry, that we can choose to remove okay. devices from our lives for longer than two minutes at a time, that we uh, can ignore to... the notification that just came through on our uh, smartwatch, okay. that we can, you know, that we can take a walk outside.
2: Yeah. That
0: yeah. we can, and, I, and that is accessible to anybody. Absolutely. I, I totally now, agree. I, now we have to get to a place where we understand how to, disseminate the value of that right and i think that's where you were headed is like how do we disseminate the value of eating healthy and you know all the things that we all hear all the time and there's a reason that we still hear those things all the time is because of how much of a grab our society and our current culture have on us right that the devices do have a you know, they do have a stranglehold on a lot of us, and I, I'm not speaking from from a place that I'm completely separated from Absolutely. it either, right? I, I'm not I'm not on my pulpit right now, so please, nope.
2: <laughs> not at <laughs> you know, all. Like
0: I, yes. I'm a part of this culture, just like the rest of us. Yeah. And it just takes a little bit of awareness, though. It t- yeah. first, it takes some admittance. In my mind, we have to admit that we have an issue. We have to admit that it's not healthy for us. For us to begin that change and walking towards through some repetition into a better realm of awareness. Like I find myself at home and it normally happens at this time on a Friday, I'll come home and I'll, after I pick up my kids from school and I'll come home and I've had a long week and I'll sit down on the couch. And then sometimes instead of being present with my kids, I find myself scrolling right through news articles or scrolling through Instagram or whatever it may be. Yep. And then yeah. it's that awareness of that pull of that feeling when I start to feel that underlying like, hey, Robert, let's let's step away from the phone and let's let's ha- interact with our kids. Yeah. you know, like yeah. let's step into that sphere and be there and show up and show them how I can be present. And that that's why it's like part of that personal journey. But then we also need to be able to rely on others. And that kind of brings us back to what it you know, on why we feel lonely a lot of times is because we feel many times that we need to do this stuff alone, that it's my burden and my burden alone. And I would say that specifically for men, right? Men mm-hmm. really feel like a lot of our burden is ours and we throw ourselves in the isolation for it. Yeah. You know, and we, I mean, I before I really dove into this work, I used to read the books, you know, I used to be the, I used to read about stoicism and I used to read about neuro-linguistic programming and, you know, I've practiced some neuro-linguistic programming and, you know, there's things along those lines that I, but I still found myself in the same place. I still had anger and I still had issues in my relationship and I still had things that I just seemingly couldn't figure out. Yeah. And it wasn't until I took the step out of my own stuff relied on others through a coach and then later like a a course that i did that like i also through that course got to see that like duh I- i'm not the only one going through these things yeah but how much of our culture actually tells us that we are alone yeah right and that we need to do these things alone that we need to burden these things alone i mean how many times have we've seen where men get kind of chastised or, you know, made fun of for expressing their feelings or things along those lines, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'll just kind of wrap that thought up there. I but, love that. Um,
1: <laughs> it's really, I mean, what you're saying is so important. It's so inspiring. I think that like, uh, I mean, I just think about the industrial revolution, like you can't get, a whole population of men to show up to a factory to like spend less time with their kids to, you know, believe that their worth is revolving around a paycheck if you don't isolate them. And I, I, I feel that not to like create some sort of conspiracy, like they, the big they, but I do feel that in, you know, in response to some greed and power hunger and just like the dark, the darker sides of of capitalism, there was just a push to um, isolate everybody. Maybe that's where th- it started.
0: I think it still is, obviously. Yeah. I think yeah. that, yeah. you know, like, I mean, we can sit there and, so where do we find value now as a culture? What do we seek as a culture? Well,
2: yeah.
0: Again, I'm not, I'm not speaking of this as I'm separate from it. Totally. I just might have a little more awareness than someone else, but like how much do we spend on things to make us fill gaps that we have within us instead of seeking the counsel of a mentor or an elder or a coach or a therapist or, Mm. you know, anybody that we can actually seek through community. Yeah. Yeah. Because we may feel embarrassed or we may feel small or we may feel silly Mm -hmm. or stupid or whatever it may be. Mm. But in reality, it's just taking that first step, right? Like, um, I have this little daily planner that I use. is like just lining out my um, my day, and uh, it always has a quote on the bottom page of the page. And one of them was <laughs> a quote by uh, um, oh, where did her name Amelia Earhart. Yep. And it it says the most effective way to do something is to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. You know what? I'm just going to jump right in because I do think that like when people hear like third degree black belt and like jujitsu and all of this, there's a there's a bit of intimidation. And also there's a bit of like, um, how did you do that? How did you just like do it? Right. In, in response to that quote, I would love to hear a little bit of your story and your journey with jujitsu.
0: Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I started in 2004. I was actually um, so growing up i'm I'm six foot three, two hundred and thirty <laughs> pounds. I'm not a small individual. um, so, and I had anger issues. um, but I also was really timid, and i was I felt small in many ways, even though I was physically big, I felt small inside. So I always kind of had a fear growing up that I would see red you know in an altercation or something and because of my size kind of go blank and then harm another individual
2: Mm. and then
0: also I just had fear of fight in general because you know my parents divorced when I was 10 Um, I didn't really have you know that consistent father figure Um, I had was raised in a household with two women so I had access to that softer side but I didn't have access to you know my power necessarily so the um <clears throat> the primal side of me yeah. right so primal and divine and so i had a lot of practice in the divine i didn't have a lot of practice in the primal um and so long story short in college i gained a bunch of weight i was up to almost 280 pounds i was competitive played football i was a three sport athlete in high school and i wanted to get back into shape and I wanted to do something competitive so I started jiu-jitsu within the first couple years I dropped down to 216 pounds Mm. um, and I would competed locally and internationally um, and it really just became a massive part of my life Mm. but the only way that I did it was one class at a time I mean I got I got a little crazy Right. Like I I have a personality that, like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I I go for depth. I don't want to know things on the surface. I want to know things to depth. And so I went to as many classes I possibly could, Um, you know, as many as there were on the schedule, which was 13. And I did that for about um, almost yeah, about six and a half, seven years. So Woo! um that's how I started my jiu-jitsu career. And then in 2006, when I was going to get my master's at the University of Wyoming is when I started teaching and I started a little program up there. And um But all of this has just been done over the course of 18 years. It'd just be like anybody else in the world that we see that's got experience underneath them or you know, it's a, it, it reminds me of this, Anya. I ask the question all the time in jiu-jitsu to my students, especially brand new students, especially when I can tell that they're inner critic or they're really, you know, is raging in that moment because they feel that they need to be perfect at the move or they feel that they're not doing it well enough. And I can see that coming out physically and, you know, and just the <laughs> size or, oh, that wasn't good or all mm-hmm. kinds of things. And I always pause and ask them like, so I'll ask you this question. Okay. What, what do you, what do you do for work on besides the podcast and all the other wonderful things that you put out in the world? What do, do you, mind if I ask what you yeah, do? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, so I'm a brand strategist for like advertising and marketing.
0: Amazing. So, um, how long have you been at your current, uh, job?
1: My current job at my, the place I'm working at now, about four and a half months
0: about four and a half months. Awesome. So this is really going to be, this is going to resonate with you. Well, okay. Okay, So what was the, what was the first job? What was the first day on the job? Like
1: chaos, overwhelm. I don't know anything.
0: Okay. (laughs) What's it like now?
1: Smooth, trustworthy, connected.
0: So what's the difference between the first day and what you feel about your job now?
1: uh time, consistency, effort, connection.
0: Absolutely. So yeah. you have probably spent anywhere between 40 to 60 hours a week at that job for four and a half months. And it's not surprising that you feel more comfortable. You know where things are, you know what the you know what you need to do every day. You yeah. know what's expected of you, you know who you need to email when you need to get things done. You have the full spectrum of things that you think you know that is necessary for you to complete your job yep yet what do we do with ourselves on the first day of learning something new we have an expectation that i should already be four and a half months down the road having done this job 40 hours a week whatever it may be totally does that make sense
1: totally i
0: love it i love it so good So, So so that's why we just need that little reminder that like i just started and it's okay and i'm gonna fall and i'm gonna fail and i'm gonna flop all over the place, and it's totally okay. It's exactly where I should be. Mm -hmm. And that's how all of this work works. Mm -hmm. That's how anything that's going to expand us Mm -hmm. works. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Right? So we have to have the element of drive. We have to have the element to seek more of ourselves. But on the other side of that coin, we must have grace and compassion, because we are innately flawed.
1: Beautifully said, Robert. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's a great analogy for anybody to use. And I'm going to ask you like a follow-up question. So I totally hear that. And I think people could resonate specifically with their jobs. What I think holds people back from something like jujitsu or like ballroom dance or anything that they might imagine they could do is actually an identity problem and not a consistency problem. They can't actually imagine themselves one day being the guy that is a jujitsu master or something. So they don't even give themselves a chance. How do you help men like in your world, in your practice, get past those identity humps?
0: Reframe. Reframe. What's the story that you're telling yourself? Mm. Yeah. And where does that come from? When was that first time that you at, when was the first time you convinced yourself of that? Mm. Right. I think, you know, it's important that we ask those questions. Um, I think it's also, is it true? Is this story true? Yeah. And that's a, that's a question we can all ask ourselves. Is this, is this actually true? Like, could I not do jujitsu? Or is my expectation of where I should be different than where I want to be, right? Or yep. So, like, it's just that comes down to that simple story is like, well, I'll never be able to do this. It's like another thing that I hear often in the jiu-jitsu community is like, I need to get in shape before I start doing jiu-jitsu. So, and it's always like, but in reality, a lot of times they don't actually just want to start jiu-jitsu. They want to put another roadblock in front of themselves to get into jujitsu. Yeah. But there's nothing on the planet that will actually prepare you for jujitsu. Right. Mm. And then I think it's also important that we just the title of this podcast, right? Drains and faucets. That who else are we surrounding ourselves with? And what are the what stories are they allowing us to actually Produce within ourselves and mm-hmm. reiterate, you know, like if it's a, if we surround ourselves with a drain or all drains, then they're gonna, they're gonna perpetrate that story. And then you're gonna find yourself perpetrating yourself because now I'm, um, that's all I really see or that's all I really feel. And I feel exhausted and man, I don't feel like I can do anything. And, and then those stories resonate with those people around you also that they're but, all kind of on that same wavelength, right? Mm. And I've definitely been there and I've definitely surrounded myself with people like that and then wondered like, man, why was I so negative towards myself? And, but it was just an echo chamber.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. It became an echo chamber. So in many ways, like how do we change that echo chamber?
1: I love it. This is so great. I'm so excited to get into drains and faucets. Um, I love the direction this convo is going, but before we move into that, I want to just ask a quick question. So It's January, end of January right now as we're recording this. We'll come out in a couple of weeks. This is around the time when people like decided on January 1st, (laughs) they were like gonna hit the gym four or five times a week and now they're not. And so like, I would love to ask you what what is happening in their subconscious and like how can we do a reframe for them?
0: I guess I'll I'll ask a question back if that's yeah. okay
1: oh yeah
0: what do you think the average number of days that a new year's resolution lasts
1: isn't it something like i don't know 22 or something
0: it's like i think it's like seven or nine oh, something no. like that.
1: well i stopped doing New now, Year's resolutions a long time ago so i'm
0: not even yeah i've i've stopped doing news i started naming my year um Same. i think that's beautiful exercise um and if anybody is ever interested traver Bohm actually puts out that he puts out uh he has it on youtube right now so if you're still looking to name your year or you're interested in naming your year Mm i would have they go to traver and traver's a wonderful resource he's been my he's a close friend he's been my coach before um i love the work that he does that's who i'm a a coach under you know that's who i learned how to be a coach under so um i guess i'll throw a little plug in for traver here but Um, I love it.
1: Hold on. Side note. So I'll put that link um, down below the episode. And just as a little bit of context, Name Your Year is a reframe from having some sort of New Year resolution that isn't really grounded or based in anything that is related to you and your higher self, your true dreams, your true aspirations, the way you see yourself um, in an ideal state. It's just something that you think you should do. That's what a New Year's resolution usually is. And what Traver's process is and what Robert's talking about, because I've participated in it too, um, is a complete reframe. And it helps you actually create a a new way of being for the year that gets you closer to your higher self.
0: Absolutely. So I guess while we're on the topic, do you mind if I ask you what the name of your ear is?
1: Yes. Yes. I'm so excited. And I love the way that this is such a mantra. This is the year of new stories.
0: Mm, love it.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you.
0: Yeah. I, my year is the year I realized my power. Woo! Bravo. Yeah. That's a, and it's a big one. <laughs> I can, I can feel it. all. I, every time I say it, I feel mm. the power behind it honestly. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's really, I guess that's, that kind of sums it up, right? Is you could hear the excitement in your voice when you said it, right? You can hear the excitement in my voice when I say it. And that's just think about every time that you've said a new year's resolution in the past, well, I'm going to lose 10 pounds in a month.
1: Right.
0: Oh Well, I better go to the gym. Oh, uh, so, right? so negative.
1: What a downer. So,
0: and it's such a downer, right? Because it's forced. It feels like it's something that's forced now, I will also say that it's not all necessarily bad either. I think what just happens though and this is this is something that Traver has spoke to also is that most of the time what happens what causes someone to quit what causes someone to actually stop a new year's resolution would you say um
1: well I think that um there's, I mean, not to get too deep into it, but they're like unconscious sabotaging patterns, like this idea of like, um, I can't sustain this. I what's the point?
0: Um, like what do you think the catalyst is for those thoughts?
1: Yeah, let's see. I can't sustain this, what's the point? Um I think it's do you also I think it might
0: be oh, oh sorry. To interrupt. No, you're
1: fine. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: Do you think it might be because they just missed one day?
1: Yeah, well, you're, so, you're so right, it's shame, right? Shame, capital S, shame, yeah.
0: They miss one day. And then the story that you were just eloquently saying, what's the point, I don't think I can go on with this. Man, see, I knew I was gonna fail at this. All of the inner critic blows up, all of the shame comes, yeah. all of the guilt comes, right? Yeah, And then that's when the resentment and that's when the ain't, right? Aggression and all of this stuff just starts overwhelming us, right?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. What's stopping us from just restarting the next day?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, Then
0: not just having some grace and not just having some compassion. Yeah. To just, okay, I missed a day. Yeah. All right. That's okay. So in 2021, I named my year in the year of emotional extrication to grace for this reason.
1: I love <laughs> it. Jiu-jitsu and grace, I think makes a lot of sense to me.
0: So I, I literally spent the entire year doing that process that when I would fall, when I would stumble when i would fail at doing something in the work because you know maybe i raised my voice at my kids or maybe i i tried having a hard conversation with my wife but like it just came out wrong and then that escalated into something else and then you know sometimes that would carry on for a week and sometimes those would those things would hang on you know hang with me for a week or two or even a month mm. But then it got to a point where it'd be like, all right, let's recheck in with the year and say, well, what am I carrying right now? And why am I carrying it? Mm,
1: Great question. And then
0: just bring in grace and bring in compassion to know that like, it's okay that you have these feelings and we don't need to carry them as long as we are. then slowly but surely through that process, it turned into, oh, I stumble and then maybe it lasted a day or two and then, I'd oh, okay, let's bring it back to grace. Let's bring it back to compassion. All right. Then slowly but surely, it just turned into this process of it being a nice quick turnaround. Yeah. And I think to kind of answer, that answers several of the questions that you've asked is how do we do these things? Yeah. They don't happen overnight. They happen over a process. Yep. And it's all the process.
1: Agreed. And I will put a stake in their ground and firmly like say that this process is not one that we can do alone. <laughs> no <laughs> coming back to no. where we started.
0: As as much as as much as interpersonal work is interpersonal, as much as it is, but that's that's where it's interpersonal, is it's personal responsibility. It's yeah. my own responsibility to yeah. deal with my own stuff. Yeah. It's my own personal responsibility to actually excavate the things, to investigate my shadow, to investigate and work on my inner critic, to understand where my programming comes from, to look at my inner child. Like these, those are all, those are all my responsibilities.
2: Mm-hmm. I love it.
0: And I also need guidance.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I also need someone that I can bounce ideas off of, off of. And um so I I, I have to be honest that I, I just had lunch with Traver like a couple hours ago. So yeah. we had a really good conversation and yeah. we were we were um talking about something where he said, you know, we were talking about this kind of very topic. And um we were talking about, you know, how do we get people who are quote unquote doing the work and Bring them to a better understanding of what the work is, you yeah. know, like how I used to be. And I'm not saying that in any judgmental way.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm just saying I used to think I did the work too, where I, oh, but I'm reading and I'm I, you know, like I listen to this podcast or I, I watch this YouTube video. So therefore I understand my shadow. But by definition, you can't understand your shadow alone.
1: Yep. Thank you for saying that. It's a very, very important distinction that I'd love that you're making. Um it's important. So, so important. Cause it, it's, it's everywhere, right? I'm doing the work, but I'm unwilling to invest in myself to get the support. I actually need to do the work.
0: <laughs> so Traver said, um, it's like saying I have, I'm totally aware of my blind spots.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a really good way to say it. Oh, like,
0: by definition, it. you're not, you cannot be aware of your blind spots. It's a great way to say it. Yeah. Right. So I think it's really important that we that we take the time to reach out to people that we know yeah. or that we know are working to be integrated themselves. And maybe that's a good first step. Yeah. Reaching out to a coach that you resonate with. I think that's yeah. really important. It's just like jujitsu. Like you have to find a place that you feel comfortable in.
2: Yeah. Because
0: otherwise you're gonna always stay kind of clammed up and you're not necessarily gonna to get to so much depth. Find a therapist. Like I still have. I still do both. I still have my own really? coaches. I still have my own therapists. Like I'm not at the end of anything. I'm no. nowhere near the end of anything because I'm hoping that I'm not near the end of my life. Totally. Really, that's the only time that it's gonna end for me. I love it. So
1: beautifully said. I um just to share an example, hopefully this will like paint a clear picture for for everybody. So we all have our patterns, we all have our core maybe wounding that really just messed with us. And depending on what that is, you'll need something different. Right. So for me, like you talked about how those like negative states or those trigger states became smaller and smaller and smaller as you continue to apply more and more grace. And for me too, it was like months of, you know, being in this bad place or feeling ashamed. And then it would become a month and then a couple weeks. And then now, I'm able to move through these things so quickly within an hour, sometimes maybe two. And this is all thanks to my understanding that, you know, I have some core father wounding. And when I was able to, after the initial self-development and the group things, I was able to realize, oh, I need a mentor coach that can actually show me what it feels like to have affirmation, love, kindness, and support from a father-like figure. Like, I wouldn't know how to talk to my own little girl if this man didn't show me what that looked like. And so thank God for this man, Nick Tilia, shout out. This was like two years of my life, really just having him there as that, that coach for me. And so he taught me and then... As we continued together in the process, I became better at better at doing it myself. And so now just to, so you guys that are listening, you know, we're, sometimes it sounds like we're talking about all these things and these things you need to go start doing. And no, it's it's really very this very simple reframe that is really quite impossible without a, someone to be your mirror, someone to see you and show you. What that's like. So I
0: just wanted to share that. It was really meaningful for me. I and I, man, thank you, thank you for sharing that. That I felt that. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt that, and I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And I think it's important to also understand that. That's why we want to look for faucets. And to, in my mind, faucets are, they're they're integrated people or they're people on the path towards integration.
2: Mm. I wouldn't say they're
0: integrated because that means that they are they're done. But like. They are on the path of integration, right? That they themselves are seeking more of themselves through the community of others. Mm. So seek elders, seek mentors, find those people that you can have conversations with that are going to pull at you. So seeking those people that are on the path towards integration What they can do is they can hold a container for you in one hand. Yeah. They can allow you to spill yourself, spill of yourself into that container. They can hear what you're going through. They can show up for you in that way. If you need someone that you can bounce ideas off of, it's totally available to you. Right. Or if it's just a listening conversation, that's, that's the one hand. On the other is the call forward. Is the ability for someone to, like you said, be the mirror, to show you your blind spots, to be, mm, man, I'm seeing some uh, some familiar patterns here. I think that maybe, yeah. you know, we, you know, yep. come on, Anya, I think, you know, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure that your yep. coach did the same thing, was like, Absolutely. is that really true? Right. And that's that call forward. Right. Right. And it doesn't have to be a smack in the face. In fact, most of the time, and the best at it, it's just a gentle little, come on. Right. Um, But yeah, I think it's, I think that there's so much value in just understanding the connection to others. Now, all of this being said, I think it's important to like, I do have a philosophy on connection and I do have basically an idea about it is that it's three stages. And the first one is we must. We must connect to ourselves first. Yep. We must learn those patterns like we're talking about. We must learn what our core wounding is. We must learn and spend time with it and get to know it. Right. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to do that alone like we're speaking to right now. Right. In fact, we need others to be able to bring us forward into that space. Right.
1: Mm. This makes sense to me. This is just like a aha This is why people feel lonely because they're in connection. They're in relationships with people without having been connected to themselves. So they're not in the right relationships.
0: 100%. Mm. 100%. Whether they're a drain or they're a faucet. Most of the time we're going to surround ourselves with people that are like us, right? Mm. If we don't have a connection with ourselves, then we're going to, we're going to seek other people that have that similar Right, They don't have connections with, you know, with themselves either. And then when you find somebody that has connection with themselves, then it's like running into a brick wall. And it's like, ooh, that's, that's a little frightening, right? Because we feel how it is challenging us.
1: Yeah, that's really great. And you might, it might be like a disconnect in frequencies. And so before we move on to number two, the second stage of connection, I'm so curious just to kind of paint the picture for everyone. I love how we talked about, when you're a faucet, you're someone that is like really just integrating your in connection, your what else are some, some attributes around like the people that you would imagine are a faucet.
0: They're compassionate. They're loving, yeah. they're open, they're vulnerable.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. The, yeah, like I'd say that's it. I just, I kind of went yeah. to the antithesis of it in my head. Like yeah they're not closed-minded. They're not rough. They're not, you know, like they're, they have access to every bit of them.
1: Yeah. And you know what else? Oh, just to build on it. It's like, if you met, you literally think of a faucet and the water is coming out of the faucet. Um, they are not afraid to express themselves. They're very much like a light. They're very much like um, someone that is r- raising you up They're They're always like looking
0: upward. Yeah. I mean, what do we do most of the time when we turn on a faucet, we fill a cup. Yeah. Oh, right? so yeah. They they're because they're grounded with themselves and they have a connection with themselves. What they what is coming out of them isn't all of them.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. They're not giving all of themselves to something else. That they are they are able to their overflow their cup is overflowing, which allows others to start to fill their cup.
1: Beautiful, that's so great.
0: If that great. makes sense.
1: I love the way we painted that picture, Robert. It's so good. You do you fill up a cup, um, but so then in contrast, a drain. Tell me about what a drain <laughs> is.
0: <laughs> well, they. I would say a drain kind of sucks the life out of you, right?
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. You you know you meet, um, meet that you meet a drain, and you you automatically. I mean, they don't even have to, have to talk really for you to know. You just know
0: energetically. You, yeah. you like when to use Dewey Freeman's terms. I don't know if you're familiar with Dewey Freeman or not, um, yes. but to use his terms and i always want to give credit where credit's due but like he he talks about contact and one of those ways that we make contact is energetic contact Mm -hmm. and you know um one of the examples that he's used that's really resonated with me is like we've all walked into a quiet room and felt like something was off Mm -hmm. and just didn't feel good within ourselves And then he also speaks to the fact that we've all walked into a really loud room and felt totally at home and not had any kind of reservations about anything. But what we felt was our, our energetics, our nervous system came in contact with someone else's nervous system that is Mm. out of tune and out of whack. Yeah. And that is seething inside or that is, you know, like hurting And that's what we felt when we walked into a quiet room like you would expect that you'd feel comfortable in a quiet room you know but you could go into a chaotic room and feel completely comfortable because it's the Mm -hmm. the energetics that is happening within the individuals does that make sense and i think i hope i'm doing dewey service um but like i said i want to make sure that i i give credit
1: Yeah. No, Dewey. So Dewey is a, he's a very brilliant, very tenured psychotherapist. Is that correct?
0: He is 50 years. Yes. He's been doing, so he does, he's gestalt and um, he does equine therapy. Um, My wife and I actually see him and his partner, Kimberly. Um, So we work with, there are mentors Um, and yeah, it's a, and I, I got I have to say this because this this was my highlight of the week, I should say. Oh. I actually got to I actually got to teach Ju- Dewey some jujitsu on Wednesday. <laughs> he came in for a private lesson. And so um he's 72 years old. So you know, like it takes a lot of bravery yeah. for a 72-year-old that has dealt with horses most of his life. So he's had some injuries and things along those lines to step on a mat. And um it was it was just a beautiful experience that I'm I'm so honored and and so excited um to have been able to share with him. So um but yeah I think that um that's what we all know what a drain feels like. We've all been around it.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, I was gonna say I have like a very quick like just aha takeaway. So a faucet is like a yes and person. They're like yes and this. They're builders, oh. right? And then a drain is a no because person.
2: Ooh, they shut or it a,
1: down. They close it down. Yeah. Or a but. What's up? Yeah,
0: yeah but.
1: Right. The yeah but.
0: <laughs> Ooh, that's mm, that's brilliant. I love. I. I might, I might have to use that I will definitely as you know I will give you credit but I definitely I definitely like it um I love that. yeah point. absolutely I think and so Kimberly We um she has the storytelling school um her and her husband Mark Sylvester and Mark Sylvester is also a brilliant person um and that's so that's kind of the way that she talks about short form stories is Mm. that a lot of times and i used to be this i used to be the drain in some ways not always and that's the whole thing is like we we can't just think of this as just black and white these are spectrums and i think it's important to really say that that it's not just like you need to label yourself as one or the other there is spectrums and there's parts of your life that you may be a drain there's parts of a life in your life that you may be a faucet and i'm i'm a person who lives in all shades gray right so I think it's important to just say that while people are listening to this and not starting to judge themselves or thinking themselves in a bad way. Right. Um, right. But when I used to talk, tell stories about an accident that happened in 2009, I would always leave people in the um, shift, meaning that, like, I would always leave people in that space of just the accident and I would tell the story and it would just end like then I was depressed. And then, you know, and, and mm. it's just sucked ever since. And then just walked away and left someone without the success, mm. left without talking about the thing that I learned from it, without really expressing how, you know, like I've changed because of this experience. Yep. Right. And I think that's a, that's, that was an example of how I've been a drain in the past before. And I noticed that people were just like, oh. That story just let them in like man and then what do you know they're they're not calling anymore or they're not wanting to hang out as much anymore you know because then they just they because we innately paint people in those pictures also right
1: i love the way you just said that thank you i'm such a proponent of like actionable things that are clear that are just like great analogies for people and um i love that that's a great great like opportunity to see when something can be draining and when something could potentially be uplifting if you like if you talk about the shift
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely definitely so um but yeah and i guess so the first stage of connection is connecting connection where and how we connect to ourselves great but what does that mean right? So what does it mean to connect to yourself? So in my mind, there's six pillars of connection. Okay. So those six are being met, seen, heard, felt, accepted, and celebrated.
1: Wow. Yes.
0: Gold. So that's, that's how we kind of begin the journey. And it's the simple question of what does it mean to meet myself or what do I need to meet within myself?
2: Mm.
0: And that first one really, that's where, I mean, it goes deep right away. Yeah. And that's what we've already discussed. We got to understand our patterning and we got to understand our shadow. and We got to understand our wounding and we got to understand our trauma and all of those things and that's where that and i would say that's for all of it well when did i first feel this when did i first feel abandoned when did i first feel eject rejected when did i you know so like does that make sense when did i first see it happen when did i first hear those words of you know rejection so it it kind of threads in and out between all of them right Is Mm -hmm. that same list of things then? Well, what do I need to accept about myself? What am I not accepting about myself?
1: Mm, Yeah. What do I
0: need to celebrate?
1: That's a big one. I was actually just looking through the list and I was like trying to see if it was like two out of six or like three out of six that like maybe most people have. And I'm realizing I think people are zero for zero at the beginning most of the time. Um, and that's probably the major cause for loneliness. Wow. Yeah.
0: Now, once we connect to ourselves, yeah, then we can better understand where and how to connect to others.
2: Yes. yes. And if
0: they've connected with themselves, yes. right, then I, right, can also, for the third stage, then go into where I do and or do not allow others to connect to me.
1: Oh, so those are separate. Connect to others is two and connect to me is separate.
0: Right? Whether I allow some someone else oh. where and how others are allowed to connect to me. But I must have a connection to myself first. And then I must learn how to connect to someone else also.
2: That's, that's Because
0: without relationship how do i how do i know where i don't want someone to connect because right yeah. does that make sense i'm
1: i'm fascinated by this um thank you for teaching me this but why are two and three separate it seems like connecting to others and connecting to yourself would happen at or connecting to another and then them connecting to you would happen at the same time
0: i think it's important to separate because we need to understand what solid boundaries are we need to understand what I hard see. conversations are. I, I think we need, you know, like those are skill sets that we yep. must learn. But the only way we really learn how to have those is through relationship.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: But if I, now, I would say that the reason it's also separated is how many of how many times have we become enmeshed with someone else? Totally. Or how many times have we become codependent with someone else? And then once that's already happened, yeah. How do we get to stage three? Mm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like, how do I want to interact with others, and then what are what are my boundaries? What are my guardrails? Like, what are my requirements, if you will, for um, others interacting with me? And exactly. having who set up is just like a beautiful opportunity to weed out anything that doesn't work <laughs> and to find your reciprocity, I guess.
0: Absolutely. And I think that yeah. I mean this this structure came from jiu-jitsu. Did it? Yeah, this is this is literally what I teach students to do in jiu-jitsu. Wow. Wow. So in jujitsu I must first connect to myself. Yep. How and where I connect to myself is very important. Yeah. And then the next stage is where and how I connect to somebody else. And through my own connection is where I do and or do not allow someone else to connect to me. Wow, I love this. And it's all happening all at the same time.
1: Yeah. There's
0: three stages, but it's not necessarily a hierarchy. Yeah. Right? It's just, yeah. a, it's just levels of understanding.
1: Wow, this is really fascinating. Thank you for, <laughs> I'm like really just blown away. Thank you. I think people listening to this will really like understand. And, and I do believe that's why, um, you know, There's so many dimensions to martial arts and to anything that you engage with, even like dance. I do a lot of partner dance, right? You think you're just going out there and dancing, but you're not. You're connecting to yourself, then you're connecting to others. And you're actually like, I personally, because I'm like, I go deep all the time, but like I have these like emotional breakthroughs sometimes out on the dance floor and then I have to like go home early so I can process it. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: You just said something really important though, that mm-hmm. like, I think people are really lonely too because mm-hmm. they don't seek depth. Yeah. Yeah. Depth is key. Yeah. Because we're not gonna get anywhere in this work without depth.
1: Yeah, you're so right. Uh, that's really very, very important. Um, People are scared. That's-
0: Oh fear is yeah it's scary and it's I, i'm i will be first to admit it is hard yeah and it's it's confronting and it's conflicting and it's constant discomfort and all of that and we seek comfort so much in our culture that it's yeah. hard to you know remove yourself from that but it's it's worth it yeah it is so utterly worth it to be conscious, to be aware, to not just go, I mean, I couldn't do the cycle anymore, Anya. I couldn't do the mm. ups and downs. I, I couldn't do the like the pattern of ups and downs where it looks like an EKG, you know? Like
2: yeah.
0: that kind of life just, yeah. I don't know how long I would have lasted like that.
2: Yeah.
0: But massive swings back and forth in the rapid pattern that it was happening. Now, does that mean in my life now that I don't have ups and downs? I welcome the ups and downs.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't, yeah. I mean, F utopia. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, like, totally. Boring. Right. I don't want it. it well, it's actually my, I posit that, like, do we really learn things at the peaks and the, like, do we learn things at the high?
2: No.
0: Because everything's going well. So we just stopped asking, we stop asking ourselves pertinent questions and we stop. Totally. And that's honestly probably what leads us to the downslope, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is
0: that Absolutely. the lack of those things. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm talking more in a pattern of not where I used to be, where it used to be just all over the place kind yep. of chaos. Now I'm talking a pattern where I have a mean and now I'm kind of going in nice, low, slow curve up and down between yeah. that and me, right? balance, balance. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they're a little lower or sometimes they're a yeah. little higher and things along those lines, but still like, um, do we really learn anything in the low of lows either? I don't know. I think that the crash isn't what we learn from.
1: Right, it's what happens after the crash
0: exactly yeah. it's the what it, yes do we learn from the crash we do but it's you, not when you hit bottom so when you hit it's bottom. after you start to way make your way back up that you actually oh, yeah. realize the lessons that came from the crash so it's my i posit that all the lessons that we learn are either on the upslope or the downslope yeah it's a great point but it's the slopes that we learn at it's not it's not the actual peaks in the like the valleys if that makes sense
1: I love it. I I think that's really meaningful and I think you can't process all that is going on unless you have depth. Um and your and I think like one of the cool things that I remember I learned from you um in a prior conversation this like um idea of the misconception about how often hunter gatherers like worked <laughs> because I think that tells us like how much time we're really supposed to be spending in relationship nurturing creating
0: depth Absolutely. And, and yeah. depth is and it's not just depth within ourselves it's depth in relationships too right so what, it, what is, it's that? is that every every single thing so so yeah last conversation we had and this is something that i i speak to often but you know i always ask the question of people well how many hours do you think in an average you know a hunter or gatherer may work in a given week on average now at any given time like so say they killed a giraffe like they could work way more than 12 hours in that time span right right in a week like we're talking averages here we're not talking you know just one big event so it's about 12 12 14 hours wow of gathering
2: hours yeah right
0: gathering and but what was that rest of that time used for and utilized for ceremony yeah community storytelling Mm. connection
2: yeah
0: relationship love relationship all of it
2: yeah
0: of the whole tribe the whole clan being together surrounded by a fire like surrounding a fire or you know what i mean and engaging in myth in story in like i said ceremony and just all the things like I think that's that pit in our stomach that many of us have, who are even on the road of integration, right? Yeah. Is that we we feel the pull of what we are innately supposed to be as humans, yeah? Right? That we have innately been, I guess I should say, yeah. not I don't, I don't want to put supposed to be, but like that we've yeah. innately been for millennia longer than we've been in our current circumstance. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. Absolutely. 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 I mean, what's been going on in culture is a little blip on the radar of like the 300,000 years of Homo sapiens. And um, I mean, I'm fascinated by this. I think we need a part two straight up on like evolutionary psych (laughs) and ancient anthropology, all of
0: that. Um, I'd love to.
1: This is so fun, but I wanted to, okay. I wanted to jump into, what do you think is, what do you think is like your most controversial opinion these days?
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just hit me with a soft, soft one. Um you know it. Man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything ultra controversial. I mean, I'm definitely not in the woke police by any means. <laughs> if that makes it, maybe that's controversial alone. That, I'm, that I do not consider myself woke um and that's i right. and i won't and that i i will not stand on a on the poles that i will not place myself on either end of the spectrum and, yeah. and maybe that's radical enough i think um, you're
1: right i think it is i appreciate that i was going to say it can be like one phrase um and i'll join you in in solidarity it's like mine mine is that like men and women are
0: different you know yeah like, absolutely and, and that's okay and yeah. oh here's a controversial one um <laughs> that men actually have issues that there's men's issues yeah. and they're important
2: yeah
0: and that it's something that needs more light shown on it regardless of the view of all the things that are said the yeah. patriarchy and the you know all of the things yeah we're suffering. Deeply. I know. I know. You know, so, and we don't know where to go. And then we see, and I'm saying we as in quotes, obviously, because it's not necessarily, it's not everyone. And I want to make sure that that's. (laughs) Keep going. So, okay. Um, And I just want to make sure that that's, that's known that it's, By no means am I painting a broad brushstroke around everything. Yeah. And um, I think it's really important to point out that that it is, that it's true that men are having issues right now and that we have a ton of socio related pressure that we're told to be this and we're told to be that and we're told to, you know, and like How do we perform in that realm? And then we have people that come out and, you know, say that this is the form of masculinity that we need to have. And then we come out and then then on the other side, well, this is the form of masculinity that we need to have, you know, and we're trying to like almost kind of return to the two separate paradigms of masculinity of like the Marlboro man and, you know, the kind of spiritual age, new guy, right. Like, or the new age spiritual guy, like, And I'm not making, and again, I'm not passing any judgment when I say those things. But like, to me, integration is where it is. Integration is an understanding of true masculinity. Like, how do we get to understand, you know, how do we cool this down? How do we reduce the amount of thinking that we're doing? And how do we move more into a heart and understand our feelings more? And how do we lead and you know move forward with the power that we have in our our guts and what's in between our legs, right? Like yeah. how do we do that as as men? And that that really, you know, um, that's honestly what took me to Traver was that thought process of how do we have access to use his words, how do we have access to our head, our heart, and our balls? Love it. Right? Like yeah. and how do we how do we bring both the primal and the divine into our lives.
1: Yeah. I love it. That's why I love the like uncivilized nation. I'm like connected with a few of you now. And it's so wonderful for me because I really subscribe to manliness. I think it's great. I don't want to say it's bad as like so much of culture is wanting to do. And I, um, I think it's very primal and I think there's a lot of testosterone and uh, an aggression and um warrior energy that I find absolutely incredible and I'm like really hungry for more of it and I know a lot of women feel the same way they're just scared to say it and um yeah so it's it's great
0: I think I I would agree I think that and that, that doesn't mean that we don't have some like to me it's like those two forms of masculinity that I described the yeah. Marlboro man and the spiritual new age guy. Right. They're the two opposite poles of what I talk about in jujitsu about structure and suppleness.
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: Right. That like, but we, it should be more of a sliding scale.
1: Well, we're, we're but a people. That, Who's like, just going to say we're, we're <laughs> like a group of people that have, a hard time doing anything in gray. We just have this like black and white um programming in our in our culture in the Western world. And so it's like very anti us to be able to hold two things at once, you know? And that's all we're trying to do so, here.
0: So beautifully said. That's actually what I was gonna say. Is <laughs> one of my one of the other people I really respect their work is Brene Brown. Yes. And um her book. The Atlas of the Heart, you know, she talks about another one of her um, co-workers, well, cohorts, I should say. um, And he describes paradox as the highest form of intelligence.
1: Yeah. Yes. I love that.
0: Paradox, holding two opposing views and seeing that there's truth in both of them at the same time. And allowing yourself to understand that it's a scale in between and that you can hold those two truths and accept those two truths, even though they're totally opposite.
1: Mm. And it's
0: it's okay to do so without having to join one side or the other.
1: Oh my gosh, I really love all of this. I'm like such a visual and creative thinker. So just like bear with me. I'm going to like throw something out here. Maybe it may hopefully make sense. Um, you talked about the head, the heart and the balls. I love that. And what's just became very clear to me is over the 20th century, men have been, of course, cut off from their hearts. Right. So if you envision those three organs, like the heart has just like the, the neon light went out. OK, so you can't see it. But the neon light is on for the head and the and the balls. Whereas for women, I feel like we have been cut off from the head and from from our life force right like from from our um like eros from our sexual space and so what's happening now is this idea of like we can turn on our sensuality our intuition right like our sexuality and our minds all while keeping our hearts open right like those three neon lights get to turn be on at the same time and same for men that, that heart gets to come on without losing your like warrior testosterone energy and without losing your minds, your rational, logical, like very, very important um, minds and how you work. And I'm just like, is it possible that like, we've both been these like half people in the last hundred years. And now we have this really cool opportunity to just say like, fuck all this nonsense in the media. I'm like getting really heated now. I just want to, I just want to have all of it on and I want men to have all of it on. And so we can like come together in this way.
0: (laughs) That was awesome. Yay. That was awesome. Um, And I completely agree. And if we really look at it, they're kind of correlated. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, just think about the early 20th century and into the mid 20th century, what was happening with all of us. I mean, we were coming out of a lot of. I don't want to go get into too much depth in it, but that from the late 1800s here in America, we. I mean, the atrocities that occurred here. Yeah. The atrocities that occurred, you know, in Africa and how we brought people here, yeah, and how all of that stuff happened, and then we moved into the next. Phase for America was World War ii the Spanish Flu, the Depression, <sighs> or excuse me, World War One. My fault. World War One.
2: Yeah. Then
0: yeah. Spanish Flu. Yeah. Then we went into the Depression, and then World War Two. Oh gosh. Yeah. So yeah. our grandparents, at least my grandparents, like they lived through that. Yeah. Mine too. As, yeah. As as a man, as my grandfather, my grandfather was when in the hundred and first, he's big red one, right? So he was in the army, and he actually landed in Sicily, and he he was in the tour. He did the tour in Africa. He went to Sicily. He also was on Normandy Beach. Yeah. I can I can't imagine what he saw. Absolutely so he in many ways they needed to
1: remove
0: access it was a necessity in that time it was a necessity in that moment and then conversely because that happened then what happened after that as far as women went right then that's when feminism became right is in it was almost a response that the pendulum then swung the total opposite way now Am I saying anything against feminine you know like oh. anything along those lines absolutely not I'm just simply saying that those two yeah. things I believe are very correlated and then we're seeing the shift in the rise of the swing on the pendulum on the other side and then we're starting to understand like well what's happening to men now Yeah right yeah. how many how many male role models do we have in the public school system nowadays how many you know like how like all of these things that contribute to you know, why young men feel the way they feel, you know, is a direct correlation to the things that have happened through time. And it's just a it's just bringing awareness to it than it is, again, judgment to it.
1: Yeah, I love I love the way you're framing this stuff. Um, There's no judgment at all. It's just like I heard a statistic. They're now starting to, like, incorporate affirmative action in colleges because so few men are applying um that's another statistic and there's a million and like we could go on for hours on this
0: but who, who wrote that like of boys and men I forget the author of that book but that is like if you're interested in the actual statistics yep. of this read of boys and men
1: of boys and men that's not the same man that um feral or something um I have it right here it's okay, just go, another grab it. song, but...
0: go grab it yeah it's Richard Reeves, Richard Reeves. And he did a podcast with Traver also to where he talks about a lot of this stuff. Um, Super important. But yeah, I think it's, uh, that's just something important to kind of mention. And there are resources out there and it's just, you know, it's showing that. Yeah, I think it's important and it's and they're all valid and that's the whole thing too i guess that's yeah. go, coming back to paradoxes that like yeah. the feministic movement is still important yeah that because we're talking about men doesn't mean that we're t- like removing any kind of power from another movement it's totally. that it's all important that we if we want to get to some semblance of like again in any extreme it's bad, right? Like the polls are, it's, I want to stay away from the poles. If I, if I can just say, yeah, it
2: yeah.
0: Right? the, yeah,
2: yeah. I That's don't want to
0: live in those realms. I don't want to live in the extremes. I want to be, I want to swim in the middle. You know, I'm like, I understand that like, well, it's okay. And it's okay that there are people on the extremes. That's absolutely. the other thing that I think we need to come to also. Yeah. I ex- I don't agree with your views, but I still see you as a human being and I'm not going to dehumanize you because of it.
1: I love it, Robert. Absolutely. And I, I will say just to like, ta- you know, kind of put a little bow on that, um, what you just mentioned around um, the cause and effect of uh, like the all the wars and atrocities that happened in World War II that men were the ones that were primarily um, uh, feeling the effect of um, like physically, right? Like men were dying, men were going off and um,
0: emotionally too,
1: emotionally too. And um, this is just, just an important fact. Right. Um, And then obviously what women were feeling like, Oh, wow. There was a feeling of like, Oh, I can do more than I thought I could. Right. And so there was this beautiful awakening. And I will say that I will forever, support first wave feminism period and after that is when it became something i want nothing to do with but first wave feminism which is i can do a lot more than i thought i could i have a lot of power i'm actually wow my femininity is is something that i felt cut off from for the last 200 years what is this thing that is my femininity it's a beautiful thing. Um, I can lead with grace. I can in, inspire people to come together through empathy. Um, I, can, I can create something that has never been created before. And I will forever um, support first wave feminism. And so as we move into what second and third wave feminism has done and how it has essentially created a um, this like blame game, right? You or us, us or them it just becomes clear that our real issue is that we have an adversarial relationship as men and women and the entire purpose of this podcast is to to come closer together right to come away from the poles right to to find harmony with each other and so um it's just so meaningful for me to be able to talk to you and hear your perspectives and Um, I'll stop there and just first hear a few words on what you might want to say after that. And I'll add in a question that you can maybe pepper into your responses. Um, one of my favorite questions to ask all my guests is what is your favorite thing about the opposite sex? What is your favorite thing about women? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, so many things. Um, I would just add something that was very well said, by the way, and something that, you you know, you said that I can create something that never been created before, but you also create life.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: And that's something that was worshipped for a very long time.
1: Oh, I have goosebumps. I have goosebumps because I feel this deep in my soul. Yes.
0: Right? Like, that was worshiped for a very, very long time. Mm. You know, so I think that's important That just to add that little piece from the anthropological perspective and just having been an archeologist and thinking about, you know, some of the earliest forms of art are women. Yeah. With a nice full belly.
1: Yes. (laughs) I love that. And you know, you, other men that I know from Uncivilized Nation, other men doing men's work, I feel from you all that there is this returning to that, right? I feel from you all that there is this real resonant, re, re, resonance, mm-hmm. re, I don't know the word. Anyway, um, for that, and it's, um, it's very, very beautiful. Um, and it makes me feel connected to men, in such a meaningful way.
0: Absolutely, I mean, there are things that each of us, there's things that each of us can't do and there's things that each of us can do, right? And they should be celebrated.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm.
0: They shouldn't be seen as ways to divide us, they should be seen as ways that actually bring us closer. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's so true. Um, That,
0: That we respect the other things that others can do mm yeah does that make sense and then yeah. there's so many things I like about the opposite sex um <laughs> and I guess it is the creativity it is the fluidity right that's both beautiful and scary as hell. (laughs) I love it. You know, the depth and the movement that's within that depth for men who are, you know, that want to be in, in, you know, in some ways want to be grounded. And that's like, we, we move to be the mountain and we move to be, you know, the, um, Oh, what's her name? Josephina. Sophie. Yeah, Sophie Josephina. I heard her on a podcast one time talking about like the difference between the feminine, you know, between the feminine and the masculine, and um, that like the feminine is like the ocean, and it's got tides, and it's like depth, depth. It has depth beyond measure, and it's in constant motion. And it can be, and it's chaotic and it's all over the place. And like men are the rock on the shore that we can crash into and that they don't move.
1: (sighs) Yeah. So um, that was perfect. And um, I love that. So the depth, the fluidity, the flow, that's lovely.
0: And just the spontaneity and the creativity and the, the softness just the softness that can come with safety mm. the openness the vulnerability all of the things that can come from a safe environment and just knowing as a man that one of the one of the best things that I can do in my relationship is create safety mm. and that doesn't necessarily mean standing on the front porch and defending my kingdom right yep Absolutely. Safety means groundedness. Safety means reliability. Safety means consistency. That you know what you're going to get and how that opens you up. Right. And that like. Yeah, I think it's it's important, like something that's always that blew me away the first time I heard it from Dewey was that. Men are responsible for creating the opening because women literally open themselves to us
1: which who yeah which is why father wounds are so they they go so deep um like you said that emotional safety and being there and the consistency but What that really is, is just the opportunity to be yourself without judgment um, or being pushed away or being told uh, there's something wrong with it, um, criticized. Um, That's what women want. That's what women are looking for. And uh, I think to be able to reparent that if if women don't have that already is a really amazing thing to do. Especially if women are, you know, looking for a man that can provide that safety.
0: Right. So as a woman, yeah. Would you find safety in a man who has met himself, feels himself, sees himself, hears himself, accepts himself, and celebrates himself?
1: Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yes that feels very very good um because i will say the only people that criticize and demean are the people that don't have connection to
0: themselves no yeah we can't Can't.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: we avoid having connection because then we have to actually see ourselves yes we have to go through we have to it's scary i mean
2: yeah. I know what I'm
0: saying when I say these things. It comes out yeah. very easily, but I also know what comes behind those things,
2: exactly.
0: right? Like, yeah. um, <laughs> it's I, I did the exercise myself. i I asked myself what it you know, what it means to meet oneself. And if you're open to it, i would I would share that with you and the audience and everything along those lines. And yeah, so, you know, we meet ourselves when we become aware of all the shit we deny about ourselves. We become aware of the mass that we utilize in life to protect our true selves from being made, harmed and or to fit in, giving up on ourselves to be accepted in the group or in situation. To meet ourselves, we must accept the things that we deny about ourselves. From the perspective of the shadow, this may include denial of the harm we're capable of, anger, resentment, control, disregarding the beliefs of others, sexual desires objective objectification of people Etc we also place some of the greatest attributes in the shadow things that we may have been shamed for as children like having a big heart wearing our emotions on our sleeves being loving and caring Etc the mm-hmm. big three that lie in the shadow for most men are sex money and power
1: mm-hmm. how do we
0: meet these things that lie within the shadow mm-hmm. of our psyche very important very
1: very important things thank you Mm, Thank you. I think that's a really great place to dive into for a lot of men. I think the admission that sex, money, power all uh, flow within each other and they all feed each other. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. And just understanding uh, what's what's going on there in the subconscious. And I think it's really, really beautiful.
0: And what you know what? what that means for the shadow. And I think it's also really important to understand the things that we put in the shadow that are actually good. Mm-hmm. The shadow of the scene is seen as just this negative thing. But in reality, we've also put on masks to not show our emotions.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, like
1: um to not but,
0: show uh, that I've got a big heart and I'm loving and I like to hug people. And yeah, you know like yeah. we're gonna
1: I love that. I, I've heard stories where like um you know uh Great example, like a girl uh, has ADHD, can't do well at school, like she's just like messing up. There's like just a lot of behavioral issues, something's going on. It's like a 13 year old girl. And she finally went and saw someone that was actually coming from like a heart centered, caring place, a, a psychotherapist, saw that this little girl was tapping all the time, tapping her foot, right? Nobody else really noticed this. And it came to find out that. When she was like six or seven, she was doing a lot of dancing in her room and she was, she was shamed for it. Like, this is bad, right? This little girl wanted to be a dancer. And so what they did was they like shifted the energy and they got her into dance and then they, it started becoming a thing that she did all the time every day. And now this girl's like a ballerina with no behavioral problems.
0: I, I, that gave me goosebumps. That's amazing.
1: So that is the kind of stuff that goes into our shadow, which is what Robert's talking about. These really important like soulful expressions of who we truly are um, because they were shamed um, because the person seeing them probably couldn't face themselves.
0: Absolutely. And what's the what's the greatest contributor to the inner critic? Is shame. Shame, yeah. Shame fuels the inner critic.
2: Mm,
1: yeah
0: shame fuels resentment and then from resentment comes aggression Mm -hmm. aggression is what we normally feel when we feel someone and it doesn't feel good anger is not generally what we've anger anger is seen as a bad word yeah it's seen as a bad emotion but it's not actually anger it's aggression yeah anger actually can hold love Mm. you can still have love for someone and be really angry.
1: Mm. Two things. The paradox. Yes.
0: Aggression is dominance. Aggression is wanting to suppress someone else.
1: Yeah, I see that.
0: And I think that's really important to put out there, especially in a world that we hear a lot about toxic masculinity. Yes. That we cannot attribute anger as toxic i mean by the way i do not i absolutely cannot stand that term um toxic masculinity at all i'm just using it as because that's what's popular like it's popular in the rest of the world so people are going to know what i'm talking about but i'm adamantly against any archetype any you know what i mean being put in any of that light so and i think it's still just valid to mention here but still that anger is not toxic yes aggression is
1: yeah and you know again I can't wait for our part two Robert we're going to talk about language we're going to talk about so many things because I do say like people view aggression differently right sometimes like aggression is coming from uh like this is what I've heard about aggression it's coming from like the Latin word for aggresso which means to propel yourself oneself forward Right. So maybe interchangeable with the word assertive. Right. Assertive is a better word for that, whereas it sounds like the way you're talking about aggression is um, in the way of dominance or control, which is not what masculinity is at all.
0: Um, No, it's wounding. What? Aggression is is it's lashing out from wounding. wounding. It's wanting someone else to feel how you feel.
1: Right. Right. Makes sense. You're right. You're absolutely right. And you know, you know what I think that, that brings us kind of to, to this spot where all that shame, all the wounding that we're talking about, all of that, all of that's going on in the shadow, those are the things that contribute to a person being a drain.
0: Unresolved shit.
1: Unresolved shit. Just like going down the drain. <laughs> yeah. Um I love that. I, I, I just think that we have covered so many topics today. Like (laughs) I'm just like blown away by you. Um, I think what's become really clear is how you're able to incorporate all of these different dimensions of yourself. Like you're, you're an archeologist, you're an anthropologist. You have so much knowledge about how humans behave. You teach men, um, the different dimensions that come with this jujitsu practice and just like everything that's become that for you, you're a father, you're a husband, you you're, you have um, this like holistic kind of sense of manhood that is really inspiring. So I can understand how you would be such a mentor to young boys, to young men. So tell me a little bit about the coaching practice and just, I'd love to, for the audience to, to hear about that.
0: Well, thank you for all of that. Yeah. And I would also say, and I hope that it's important, like it's important to say that while all those things may be true, it's also true that I still have my own struggles. Yes. That I still have my own things that I'm working through. Yes. Um, And that I'm still on my path towards integration, just like everyone else. And I think I'll just say that because I want people to hear it. You know, that like we can talk and we can hear these things. And then we put people on pedestals and we mm. think of them in this little sphere.
2: Thank you for that. Like I
0: like I tell my jujitsu students, you know, like, yes, I'm a black belt, but on the mat, I'm your instructor. Off the mat, I'm just a flawed human being, just like you are. And even on the mat, I'm still just a flawed human being. Like you are, I just happen to know more jujitsu than you do, you do. So therefore I teach you. I love it. Right. So that way we're all on the same plane. Yeah. That really it's just some of us are a little bit further along the journey than others. And that's the resource that we can use. And that's what I am in my coaching practice, right? Is I'm a resource that others can use and others can come to, to help them take possibly their first step or maybe their second step or maybe even their third, Mm. right? And that there's value in all of us, that it doesn't matter if you took your first step, if you took your first step, you have value for someone who isn't taking their first. And you have value in the sense that you can pass on information to them to help them take their first.
1: Wow. 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 I love that. I think people hearing that it's really meaningful. It's very important. We get caught up in the pedestalizing and in the culture and that person is this, and that person is that. And we only see their like highlight reel and Instagram. We don't know what kinds of things they deal with. Um, you know, so, um, We've gotten to see more of it in our culture recently with just some of the suicides that have happened to people that we thought were doing great so thank you for saying all that i think it's really important um for people to hear and it, it's 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 what um one of the greatest things about you you're so humble robert
0: we have to be real yeah that's what we need to, that's what we need to return to yep I love it is actually just being real yep and not being frightened by vulnerability yeah not being frightened by well this might possibly expose me well i'm not exposed i'm just i'm sharing my struggles so someone else can understand that they're not alone in theirs
1: right right and if And if there's a misalignment from saying something real, then that's great news for you. (laughs) Get to keep it moving. Um, Absolutely. I love that. So where can the people find you um, on the socials and website and all of that? They want to get in touch with you.
0: So um, I kind of am splitting between two Instagram handles right now, but um, I'm shifting more to Nexus dot coaching um so you can find me there that's where i'm going to have more of my coaching related stuff um and then i also am at wonder with a u w u n d e r b j j 99 um that's where you'll see kind of a mix of things um i've also just been kind of posting in both spaces but for now i'm beginning to build my website so i'll have that up in the next you know month or so um, and then, yeah, I'm going to continue just put out content there. I have a LinkedIn, um, which I'm still trying to figure out, to be honest. So bear <laughs> with me. I
2: love <laughs> like it. Anytime
0: you go into a new platform, it's like a huge learning curve just to understand like, well, what is the most effective way to do this and all of these things. Um, and really I'm just getting back into social media. Like my wife and I, um, we agreed that December would be no scrolling, Um, so we both took a break from social media together. Um, so we could be a little more present through the holidays and things along those lines. So, um, but yeah, um, look for me there. You can reach out to me on those platforms. Um, I'm on Facebook, Robert Wunderlich. Um, I have my academy, um, the Academy of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, in Arvada. I also have the in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Association, and that's got now six schools, mine included, both in um, Colorado and Wyoming. So there's three in Colorado and three in Wyoming. Um, so yeah, those are all kind of the places. And I'm open and always available, honestly. Now I want to say that that if you, if something in this conversation resonates with you and you want to hear more, if you're interested in more, like I do, have a link to a connection call on all of you know on Instagram um, to set up a connection call, but also just shoot me a DM. Um, you know, like it's, I'll have a conversation. It's not for me to pitch you or sell you or anything along those lines. Like I truly, you know, have no problem with just, um, sharing. So.
1: I love it. That's great. Thank you for, um, all of that. I hope everyone that can hear this can hear that sometimes you've got to build the plane while you fly it. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. And it's really cool and, and humbling and and also inclusive. It's like, you know, we're all in this together. Um, I'm stoked to have had you on. It's been a pleasure. And um, I'm happy to just like continue to be in your, in your community as we like continue to build more harmony between men and women.
0: Absolutely. And I really appreciate this opportunity. And this has been a wonderful conversation, Anya. And I truly appreciate everything that you're doing and putting out in the world. And I hope that others see, you know, the value and, you know, um, of what you're doing. And again, thank you.
1: Love it. All right. That's all for now. Until next time, this has been beautiful. All right. See you guys later.